This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Lit Lit Show on Thursday, the 14th of December. This is probably the last Thursday for a lot of people, and tonight we have a super show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about literacy, and we have an award-winning teacher, Brenda Edwards, who's going to tell us about a This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So Brenda's going to tell us all about her project and that revolves around literacy. Brenda, I see you've just come into the studio. Can you hear me? Hello, Paul. I can hear you. Oh, Brenda, that's great. You sound nice and clear. How are you this evening? I am absolutely fine. How are you? Oh, great. Yes, yes, absolutely great. Yeah. Brenda, you're most welcome to the show. I thought maybe we could start off just by telling everybody a little bit about you and your school and your catchment area and so on just maybe Brenda so that people could locate your accent because I get a funny feeling they're going to know it it might take them (laughs) a minute but I get a feeling they're going to recognize it from somewhere so Brenda you teach a famous show go ahead go ahead (laughs) I think it is yeah yeah so So Brenda you uh... teach go ahead I keep talking over you but you go ahead I teach um, at St. Joseph's Boys School in Derry, a fantastic school in the heart of Derry. And I started there last year, um, last September, new appointment. And I suppose if I go back a little bit, I qualified in English back in 2008. I went on to do a PGCE in 2009 over in England and taught in England until 2013 and then relocated home. Once my son was born, um, you know, Paul just felt that pull to get back home again. Um, of course. I, yeah, absolutely. And then I worked in a fantastic school in Mahara, St. Patrick's College. And I was very happy there for like nine years, just over nine years. And whilst I'd seen many posts come up in Derry for teachers of English, I didn't feel a pull. And then I saw the post for St. Joseph's, it was head of English. And I applied and I was successful. So I've worked there now since last September fall. Great. Excellent. Yeah. And Brenda, you're an award-winning teacher. Can you tell us about that? Yes. um, I was lucky enough to be nominated for the Renaissance Learner Award. And I was the winner of the overall award for curriculum initiative. And it was based on a, a project that I had created. It was something that I had in mind. I had stepped into whole school literacy towards the end of last year. And having looked at the data and knowing that we're a school in a you know heavy disadvantaged area, I knew how that adds up in terms of outcomes, particularly when the boys get to GCSE level. So I started looking into it uh, in terms of the, the literacy scores um, and recognizes that Everybody knows that the best route out of poverty is is reading and literacy. So I started looking at the literacy data and tried to figure out a way to creatively 
approach, let her say, because I've seen it, you know, I've seen it done many times before, you know, through paired reading and through pupils being withdrawn for literacy interventions, such as you no know, completing booklets. But but I just knew that it wouldn't work. You know, the, the scores for for a, a certain group of boys were quite profound. And mm -hmm. in terms of the reading and spelling ages, it would need something quite significant and quite, you know, creative in terms of the approach. So I designed um, a program um, that was based on a phonics approach and we all know at secondary school level that phonics is something that we don't usually dip into. We leave that to the experts at primary school level. Um, mm -hmm. However, what we can't ignore is that where we like to, to see it or not, we have children at secondary school level across many non-selected schools that have primary school reading and spelling ages. So what they need is primary school level strategies that are delivered in a manner that doesn't offend the children, that doesn't... Mm -hmm attack or diminish their self-esteem and that's that really was the premise of the program so it was a it was a phonics approach that i adapted in line with the abigail steel phonics program and that was in consultation with the ea and literacy services i had a conversation with them and i thought you know which which literacy approach would be the best here in terms of phonics and i looked into the abigail steel program and it's fantastic in terms of the diagnostic testing that you start with in terms of baseline and and how you work, I suppose, the boys through the, the activities, um, spelling programs to go alongside of it through the spelling shed. But then it's about engaging boys then through texts that, again, aren't going to be babyish or childish. So it's looking into the Barring Stoke, you know, range and, and things that are relevant for teenagers, but have the readability that would sit the needs of those scores. So a bespoke program, Paul, was created um, to match the needs of the class. So it was all those strategies combined with the addition then of, of drama and active learning as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds really super. Yeah. And I mean, just what what those boys need. And as you've said there once or twice, you know, the, the catchment area for your school, it wouldn't be, you know, conducive to reading. I know, um, I think in our tech run, we talked about, you know, there'd be a lot of homes where there wouldn't even be a book. Uh, reading wouldn't be a thing uh, and, and a lot no. of the boys would would struggle with reading yeah yeah and you know it's certainly not all of our boys and all of our households because we are you know are, we're an achievement for all school and we're proud to be mm. an achievement for all mm -hmm. schools so we have boys at all ends of the spectrum in terms of ability and, and we welcome that um yeah. however you know the, the cold reality is that in a disadvantaged area and this is an area of high deprivation um, even in line mm -hmm. with consensus data, you know, it's it's an area of deprivation, and, and with that comes the reality in terms of data that the disadvantages areas and the and the pupils that come from it are always outperformed mm -hmm. by peers mm -hmm. from from areas that are considered advantageous. Yeah, yeah, you're a very happy school. I can tell you that, and you know, yes. listeners should check out your website because that really that vibrancy and that happiness comes through in in just even a cursory look at your your website and your your boys are fantastic and brenda maybe we'll just listen to one of your boys yesterday because they were really gracious and they gave us some interviews they were very frank they were really honest uh, and they were really sincere and genuine and yeah. talking about so let's listen to one of your boys now i don't like it I don't like reading because I find it boring, sometimes hard. I like it better when the teacher sits in the middle room and reads to us because I enjoy the story more. 
Now, would that that would be fairly typical of the boys you deal with? And I know, of course, you have the full spectrum and, and range, but of the boys that your program addresses, would that be? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly not reflective of all boys in the school, because as I say, it isn't you know an, an all ability. Um, but mm-hmm. it's certainly reflective of the boys that this literacy program is addressing. But just on the note of enjoyment, Paul, I think it's important to recognise that even pupils with high levels of, of reading ability um, sometimes don't enjoy reading. And you know the pearls data even shows that that whilst they might be confident readers, you know even some of the high attainers. Um, express lack of enjoyment when re- with reading you know so i think in terms of, of research and and areas for development it's, it's certainly something that we need to look into in terms of reading for pleasure and development enjoyment within reading but what comes across to me brenda and and we're going to listen to to some more of the the boys later on is they might say and i mean that young fellow there said he doesn't like reading um, he finds it boring sometimes and sometimes it's hard but what, what comes across to me is they all love the stories. They, they absolutely love it. And as human beings, we're programmed to enjoy stories. You know, we evolve through language and communication. So I think what children do is they miscommunicate, you know, their, their difficulties associated with literacy and the negative feelings that come with that as a lack yeah. of enjoyment for reading. When in actual fact, they love reading. They love being read too and you know that the various activities that I'll talk you through in terms of what we've done as a school for the boys will show that and it reflects their absolute love of it once they're given the right activity yes of course it does yeah mm-hmm. um and funny there, there's another boy and he talks about uh like audiobooks and uh, the drama that goes with it yeah in fact maybe we could listen just to him now reading is hard some of the words are hard to understand i like audiobooks and when drama is used to understand stories yeah mm-hmm. so you know they do like the stories and and um would you promote audiobooks as, as a way of, of reading? We absolutely promote audiobooks and whenever we, you know, collapsed our curriculum in term three, just before the summer, um, for, you know, literacy day, the boys were given an option because their opinion matters. And what you can't do is mm-hmm. tell somebody to enjoy something whilst thrusting that activity on them. And, you know, a particular group of boys said, we want to listen to the stories through audiobooks. And that's absolutely fine. You know, audiobooks yeah. are an exceptional form. You know, I, I use them myself. You know, I, it, it just brings a story to life for you. And even at primary school level, I can remember myself um, listening to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe um, through audiobooks and just being pulled into the world of Narnia and everything that came with it. And that vision never leaves me. And I know that when the boys access the audiobooks, they too are pulled into that world. And that's what's important, giving them that level of exposure to the world of reading in whatever form yeah. that it takes. Yeah, yeah. I I remember primary school, and I remember being read to, um, and I remember my primary teacher was great, and he just had a superb voice for reading, and he also was a great storyteller himself, and we we would just be enraptured, just sitting in awe, looking up and and listening to him. Yeah. And they love it. it, it they, you know, very... they absolutely love that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the things that as a school then, what would you do then to promote a love of, of reading and literacy? And oh, Paul, we do a lot. You know, we really do do a lot. And it's something that, that has been a huge 
focus. You know, we understand the importance of literacy and, and we respect um, that literacy is, is far more important than, than just the classroom. It, it far exceeds the classroom, you know, in terms of employability and mm -hmm. building functional mm -hmm. boys that will go into adulthood and, and you know, experience success and, and readings at the root of that. Um, and, and we invest heavily in it, you know, in just some of the activities, but, but there are so many, you know, we have it mm -hmm. at different levels in terms of whole school within the department itself. But I'll talk about mm -hmm. the distinct literacy for a second. Um, you know, we do explicit, deliberate events to promote um, literacy. One of our really popular um, events, um, and this this pre-existed um, my comedy St. Joseph's, I can't take any credit for this at all, um, is the Spooker Prize that was um, brought in by the literacy coordinator of the school. And it's a fantastic event that basically, it's always around obviously Halloween, and the boys in English will write their spooky tales and then the top three across all classes, so all ranges of abilities, will then be brought into the hall in their Halloween outfits in front of a live audience and there's a huge buzz and they get to read out their spooky tales and it's all decorated obviously and the lights are dimmed and the music set up and Thriller, we put up a little video there um, around Halloween even for Thriller where the boys were out in the corridor doing the Thriller dance and this is all in between reading their work and it's about bringing that enjoyment to literacy mm -hmm. and showing the boys that literacy doesn't mean sitting in a classroom, you know, drop everything and read, sitting silently reading the book. That's not what literacy is at St. Joseph's. Mm -hmm. Literacy is active. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes loud. You know, it, it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. you know, that was just one of them where the, the Spooker Prize, all our days, um, we had a fantastic literacy day prior to the summer where we, we you know, we seldom get it in dairy, but we had a run of really good weather. And we, <laughs> you know, the, the boys, the boys were loving it, and it, it just fell perfectly around our literacy day because I had all I had staff from different departments pulled in. So we had uh, Mrs. McGinley from science, and we had a maths teacher at the time called Miss Trainer, and we had Miss Gribbon in English, and obviously myself. And we, um, between us, brought in different activities to this literacy day, and it was just fantastic. You know, Miss McGinley, who's science based. Um, was just wonderful with the boys and you know she had a group of boys who who weren't too enthused let's say about a full day of literacy it does sound quite overwhelming doesn't it and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know so she started off the day by saying right let's create a wish list you know you tell me what you want to get from the day and I'll make sure it happens and yeah. giving the boys some onus um, and a voice in terms of it so they of course said we want to be out in the sunshine you know we, we want to have the audiobook so she had big blankets and bean bags and the boys were out in the sun basking um, in this beautiful weather um, whilst literally relaxing, listening to an audiobook. And it was just the most beautiful thing to see, you know, and they were, you know, for boys who at times don't love reading, well, they were loving it that day. You know, they definitely were. Um, I'm sure they she were. Then took them, <laughs> she took them into the classroom then and I walked up the corridor and all I could hear, you know, the lyrics were on the board and they were all singing frozen let it go at the top of their lungs you know following the the words on the board um oh excellent we had <laughs> we had drama in rooms you know we had we had timed that with the scholastic book fair visit as well so the boys were exposed to seeing the range of books on offer and just given that access to all different types of genres and texts and probably one of the most really touching uh parts of that literacy day was we spent uh, we sent some boys out to the our local uh primary schools and mm -hmm. they read to primary threes and primary fours and the pictures of those little primary school children just sitting there in absolute awe 
you know, starstruck um, yeah. by our boys reading these books to them are, you know, are pictures that I absolutely love reflecting on because it really just shows you the, the joy that literacy brings again when you create the right activities um, and you let the boys have, you know, have a say in terms of the direction of it. Yeah. Yes, gosh, that all sounds fantastic. And we're actually lucky enough, I think, to have Keelum, who was one of those boys who yes. went out to a primary school. And we're going to hear him talking about a visit he made back to his own old primary school. My name is Keelum, and I am a year nine pupil at St. Joseph's Boys School. In year eight, for our literacy day, I was chosen to visit local primary schools and read to primary three and primary four pupils. It was such a lovely experience returning to my old primary school. It's important to read to younger children as they see that it can be fun to read, especially for boys. Now, Keelum talks there about fun. You, you seem to have, you know, a, a way, Brenda, of making literacy and reading and audiobooks and drama. Mm -hmm. You seem to have a, a way of really uh, enabling everybody to get to a very warm core of it very quickly. Yeah. Is, is that a deliberate? That's so important. Book? absolutely yeah. or the principal said to me from day dot and, and i thought it was just wonderful in terms of the expectation and we have really high expectations for the boys you know we, we we don't use excuses you know we look at where we're at and we find ways to make things happen and you know one of the most powerful statements that she had said to me that i that i remember and i recall every day is build it and it'll come if you build the right activities and you build the right programs they will come and that's where you see the achievement and the enjoyment from it and in an all boys school paul you've got to be creative you know you, you can't keep producing and and repeating you know the same activities that we see year in and year out and expect different results you know it just doesn't work um so you know it, it's the things like even in september we collapsed the curriculum for the day and did the rolled out uh, event and we just said right how do we make this fun because again telling boys that they have a full day of literacy there's an element of selling it to them um, so that they go into it with an open mind. Um, and again, we pulled in different departments. This time it was PE, drama, science, and English, um, where we had, you know, Mrs. McGinley was involved this time and she had she had stopped her, her singing and the, the bean bags and stuff this time and she'd moved into science experiments, um, mm -hmm. obviously reflected George's marvelous medicine. And then the boys got activity throughout the day. Um, Danny the champion of the world. Then we moved into drama, resulting rhymes. And then in English, we did the BFG. Uh, we covered desks and walls, and the boys were scribbling gobble funk. And we did blindfold taste testing. And the, the boys at the front had to use the most descriptive language they could in terms of sensory description. Um, and it was just it was a fantastic day. And, and probably most importantly, because it was a year eight transition event as well, it built really positive connections. So we were using literacy as a way of forging relationships and friendship amongst the boys. And it worked, you know, so it was lovely. It really seems to work, yeah. And and maybe we'll come back to that because that's an area I would be very interested in. But Brenda, I really want to know how do you manage to get you know such cross curricular collaboration? Because you know many things have been introduced in many schools and they've tried to have a cross curricular approach, and you know haven't certainly always worked with the vision that you're explaining to us. How do you get all these teachers who are as committed as they are to promoting literacy in, in St. Joseph's? 
we're just lucky in in relation that the teachers are there for the boys and the teachers are willing to do what works for our boys and mm. when i when i started last year um i think people could see that that when i was creating things and, and when i was you know was following these events and these activities into the colleges that the boys were responding to them and i suppose they could see the outcomes for the boys from them um and i think too paul it comes with an element of confidence you know i'm an experienced english teacher um i'm an experienced leader and and with those skills you're able to build relationships with staff and reiterate why it works for children and i'm very lucky because you know teachers like miss mcginley and, and mr quigley and, and those teachers you know mr quigley has an english background so i'm really lucky there because whilst he teaches pe and he's in our autism uh, specific classroom there's huge expertise there that lies in the background and also with miss mcginley there's real proof there in terms of literacy is at the heart of all subjects and all teachers can teach it and mm -hmm. the promotion of it is so so important because children needed to access whole curriculum so we need whole staff engagement with literacy um but i suppose when you give staff to you know i invited them on no one was told you know it never mm -hmm. it never would be the case in the same way that the children are are asked for their opinion in terms of the events and given mm -hmm. their voice so too were the staff and at no point were staff told to join i approached different members of staff and i asked would they mm -hmm. would they be interested in it and it was a very positive response and i said this is what i'm thinking of doing would you be comfortable maybe doing something like this or and then sometimes it was yeah no problem actually i'll do that can we talk through your plans and other times it was i would love to do this you know miss mcginley the first time around in the literacy day did nothing science related it was completely literacy based completely mm -hmm. distinct mm -hmm. literacy and you know that takes a real element of confidence too and it has my complete respect where staff are so willing to step outside of comfort zones um and, and to delve into this 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 world i suppose of literacy Gosh, I think you're absolutely right. It certainly does. It takes a lot of courage um, to set aside your own subject and and, and take on uh, literacy. And teachers are time poor. Oh, they you know, are. That's, that's a that's a very big um, a very big demand of teachers. They are time yeah. poor, and, and we're lucky that that we have the staff we have and and the willingness that we have because you know they are very good to the boys and and everything comes back to the boys and and they're very selfless with that. You know because everyone's under pressure and. And, you know, everyone is, is trying to complete their own curriculum and their own work and everything else. So when I'm asking for days to be collapsed and for staff to be taken out of departments, I think we go back to the importance of literacy and the fact that it drives all subjects and it underpins all subjects. And for pupils to be able to access all subjects, that there needs to be a drive from all subject teachers, um, just so pupils connected to with other subjects that faces are outside of English because it doesn't just lie with English. You know, the onus yeah. is on us all to, to pull together. Well, we'll maybe come to that in a, in a second, Brenda, because I think these next things are linked. You mentioned expectations and high expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky enough to have an interview as well from Paul Quigley, whom you've spoken yeah. about. So Paul speaks about in fact, I think he calls it massive expectations. Let's hear from Paul. Yes. Hello, I'm Paul Quigley. I'm one of the teachers within the autism specific classrooms. It's an absolute pleasure to teach English and literature within St. Joseph's high schools. 
like all areas all under the school, we have massive expectations for the boys. We really do try and create a love of literature. To try and do that, we're always trying to choose riveting, engaging contexts and different texts for the boys that will really enthuse them and want them to do learning. Striving for best practice, we'll encourage them to write in the desk, write at every opportunity that they can find. We will encourage them to write at distance as well. So it will be writing across different genres, for example, writing to their old classroom teachers, and then we'll have them writing spooky themes and scary stories for situations such as Halloween. Therefore, recently for Halloween, we dimmed the lights, we created a very scary atmosphere to really try and ignite the boys' interest. Um, coincidentally then, the boys were able to write real graphic horror novels. I think you're going to be inundated with people wanting to work in your school, Brenda, very soon. Do you know that, that session that he mentions there, Paul, about the lights? Yeah. I happened to trip upon that session by accident and I had I had popped down to see one of the boys in his classroom and the lights were out and the candles mm-hmm. were out and this music was on in the background and the boys and, and Mr. Quigley came to the door and it went shh and the boys didn't know. So I watched them coming down the corridor and they had no idea that this awaited them within the classroom. Uh-huh. And um, it was, oh, what's going on? And just, you know, just watching the magic on their faces uh, in our autism specific classroom. This was as the boys walked in and he, he spoke to them in a tone and he says, now listen, you know, and, and it was just utterly fantastic to experience. And as I say, it, it's just another example of another day at St. Joseph's yeah. in terms of literacy and English and expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something of that sense of, you know, grand importance and something of that sort of awe and, and magical sense that's built up there. I mean, obviously you have peaks of it maybe in those days mm-hmm. in particular, but um, yes, there's something about the awe of, of that. And is that how you do instill that love of literature? It's whatever way that you can get the boys hooked in. And mm. that might be that might be through active learning. You know, for example, I had a group last year who who I noticed immediately that there was um, a distinct gap within their punctuation. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so the first thing you do is you work out instead of just asking them to do, well, do they know the basics of punctuation? So when the boys came into a lesson, I would say to them, right, Kung Fu punctuation has started and they would reply, yes, sensei. And I would say, right, full stop. And they would punch in front of them or exclamation mark. And they would do the chop down the punch. And it's about that reiteration of the basics of punctuation through kinesthetic learning and activity. And, and more importantly, the laughter from them, you know, because yes. maybe somebody did a chop instead of a slasher, you know, and it was that, <laughs> it was that laughter that went with it, you know, um, you know, and it's that activity that promotes literacy and promotes the love of it. But it's also the feeling and the connection. You know, even as young yeah. children, people think, why do people read to children who are a couple of months old? Because children learn to connect reading with, with love and it's the emotion that goes with it. And if you yeah. can connect the relationship yeah. and the activity and, and, you know, how the staff permeates that to the children, it, it's so, so important because children feel it and yeah. they get a sense of enjoyment from that. So I feel that if you hook them in in the right way with the right activity that suits obviously their needs um, of the class, then it's, you know, it's always a pleasure. And you have a very holistic approach, uh, Brenda. That's yes. that's what I'm hearing. You know, uh, so you, you know you have your kinesthetic um, approach. You have your your kung fu grammar and and so yeah. on. And that's boys must love that. They must absolutely. Um, you, you know, and you have your you know you've got your intellectual. And I think in a minute we'll hear again from Mr. Quigley when he talks about spelling and grammar. 
And yeah. you're clearly, you know, you're clearly linking it to, you know, the affective, the emotional aspects of curriculum. Yes. And uh, you did, you mentioned at the beginning of, of the program, how it links into, you know, careers and future and how it's very much, um, you know, a ticket to a, to a better future, a richer future. Okay, um, it absolutely is, Paul. But, you know, we, we have boys in too with, you know, um, social, emotional well-being concerns and, and pupils mm. where it's, it's your atypical, you know, and as cliches as it, as it is in the educational world, it's your Maslow before bloom. Children can't learn if they don't feel safe if they don't mm-hmm. feel happy um, and we have boys in and you know some of them just aren't ready to be thrown into full lessons of literacy or English and some of them need obviously a completely nurture based approach and we're very lucky as well where we have a gentleman who was appointed very recently called Stephen Parkhouse who works with us through the Man United Foundation um, and he's in really on the pure basis of a, an ongoing mentoring he's there as a role model he's there as mm-hmm. through a nurture based board approach um, and the work he does in terms of literacy is is just profound in terms of mm-hmm. the topics, you know, the way that he teaches is, you know, as well, you know, he'll use, for example, extracts from Marcus Rashford, where mm-hmm. Marcus Rashford um, said, for example, he talks about a time in his career where he missed maybe a pass or a goal. And he talks about maybe where he, he lost his cool. And then what's what Stephen would do then is, is say to the boys, right, tell me about a time that you didn't manage yourself. And but what he'll do that I think is really lovely is Stephen will write his out first and then he, he talks about it to the boys and he models that it's okay for boys to talk about emotions. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay for us not to be able to manage ourselves all of the time. You know, and, it, and it's that literacy in terms of the social and emotional regulation and, and the, the recognition that literacy doesn't just need to be on paper, the oracy that goes with it and the ability mm-hmm. to talk around literacy is just as important to be able to write it because if boys can talk it, they can write it. So it's about, you know, really stretching that ability with with confidence around talking about emotions or any topic, Paul, that the boys need or feel comfortable exploring. And literacy and our role models like Stephen Parkhouse um, are a fantastic example of that. And, and Mr. Quigley is another really positive example of a, of a male role model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um... And male role models are so important for boys, aren't they, these days? They absolutely are, you know, and mm. all the research reflects that in terms of the importance of it. And, and that's why it's so important that if boys aren't getting it at home, then they mm. need to be getting it at school. And, mm. you know, it's, it's that importance of, again, that connection and, and building the expectations from, from male staff and, and seeing male staff mm-hmm. read you know we were really lucky on national poetry day as well where we did uh Roger kipling's poem if and you know that coming mm-hmm. of age and that beautiful message behind the poem and mm-hmm. mr Beatty, one of our senior members of staff and mr quigley um read segments of the poem with some of her boys reading segments in between and it was like this journey from childhood to manhood through the gift of if this poem and it was just you know it was wonderful because the boys were able to watch it and they were able to watch the teachers deliver their segments too and you know and it's again just seeing another example of our staff engaging with the literacy gosh that's that's fantastic brenda yeah i always think you know one of the things that w- when you get your you know your male PE teacher and you know those other men you mentioned when you get them doing things like that it just it gives such huge permission to those boys to be able to kind of move into and grow into those areas which they won't get outside of their 
their classrooms and their schools. Um, no, you know, just... they don't. And, and yeah. even, you know, the dissertation that I'm doing at the minute with St Mary's University, and, and part of that obviously is this, is this literacy um, project, and, and this is where this has all come to life, as well as, as through St Mary's and this dissertation. And my whole dissertation is based on measuring the impact mm -hmm. of that programme on the boys and saying, you know what, I'm very honest, and, you know, I'm my own biggest critic in terms of does it work or does it, you know, and if it doesn't work, then we change it. And if it does work, then that's fantastic. We roll it out across mm -hmm. other um, years. Part of the reading with that was this real stark awareness that that 30% of boys lack a male role model who were regular readers within their own household. And then mm -hmm. it really, you know, questioned how society expects boys to become readers when they rarely see adult men reading. And it's of that course. then self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it, where it, it feeds itself. So it's about breaking that cycle and it's it's about exposing the boys too. And even, you know, Seedon Parkhouse, who I mentioned there in terms of the Man United Foundation, he went out to schools um, at Halloween and he went into local primary schools and he read to the pupils. Yeah. So again, you know, it's it's another, because Stephen teaches our, our PE programs as well. And it's that example, as you said, of these male individuals who who set the example who show boys the expectation around literacy and show them that it's it's absolutely fine and it's actually it's welcomed and it's positive to engage with literacy yeah yeah i think that's absolutely vital yeah and you're you're clearly doing trojan work there and it needs to be uh, it needs a much much bigger audience a lot more people need to and know what's going on and begin to to model the similar kind of uh, examples for boys. Brenda, yeah. what are some of the outcomes then of for the boys? Well, the outcomes for the boys are most one and most importantly enjoyment. You know, when mm -hmm. we're doing our kung fu punctuation or if we're doing our literacy days or, or road out days, anything connected to that, it's it's the enjoyment that they see first because if, if they're enjoying it and they're engaged, then we've opened up the possibility for learning. You know, and that's mm -hmm. what it's all about is it's how do we remove any barrier that we see they don't like literacy, well then let's make them like it. You know, let's provide opportunities to set the boys up where they're given opportunities to like it instead of sitting them with the book and saying enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. let's 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 get more creative. So it's about the it's about changing attitudes as opposed paul and showing that there's positivity around literacy but but probably more explicit than that it's seeing the explicit skill development you know even within english um if, if the boys are doing extended writing pieces or even persuasive writing any anything like that you know a core um activity that is expected is one the criteria is explicit the success criteria is explicit the boys can't be successful if they don't know what they're working for show them mm -hmm. Show them mm -hmm. the roadmap to success. And that might be, for example, um, indented paragraphs. It might be a range of punctuation and be explicit with that. Don't just tell the boys to use punctuation. Do you want them to use, you know, depending on ability, is it full stops, capital letters, mm -hmm. commas? Are we looking at exclamation marks? Are we looking at ellipses? And, and let's remember too, in terms of literacy, we're not just looking at the tail end here. We're looking at how do we stretch our boys that are very secure within literacy? Well, we're of going course. into colons or semicolons, and we've done a lot of work around that too, Paul, in terms of stretching yeah. our gifted and talented. Um, yes. But, but you know, in terms of that, what you're looking at then in terms of outcomes is, can the boys apply the success criteria once you've taught the skill? And what they have to do is, the, the success criteria is on the board visually for them. They will then color code that in their, you know, on their writing, and they visually see that. So, for example, I'll say to them, right, the punctuation one, color code it in yellow, 
um, the impressive similes. I want you to color code it in red. And they'll, they'll just literally shade in. And if they can't see it, they haven't done it. So we then go mm -hmm. back to it and I then work out, is this a level of difficulty or have they just not given any attention to the success criteria? So it's a gentle nudge. Mm -hmm. And then more, you know, nine times out of 10, they will incorporate the skill. And if they cannot mm -hmm. incorporate the skill and if you cannot visually see it, even from the color coded activity, then you go back and you work at the skill until the boys can do it because there's no point doing extended you know, pages and pages of writing. Do a paragraph. I stop the boys after a paragraph, the color code. There's no point doing the color code at the very end. Color code at the end of the paragraph. Establish the standard. You've now met the standard. I now want to see it duplicated and it is literally, you know, habit is the muller of all learning. Let's do it again now in paragraph two. Let's do it again in paragraph three after you've color coded. So you see the outcomes and lessons mm -hmm. through that as well. But you also see the outcomes with the books that they read and give them exposure. You know, we, we yeah. recently got in some new books because our Scholastic Book Fair was, was very um, successful before the summer. And we used the money earned from that to invest in new books. And what I'd actually done with that literacy group is I'd given them a pupil voice survey. What would you like to read, boys? And they mm -hmm. told me, I want, I want books about football. I want books mm -hmm. about cars. I want so we use that money to source the books that they're interested in, and they're mm -hmm. now there for the boys to access as and when they want. And you know it's a success when the boys go up and they reach for the book because they want to read mm -hmm. the book. Brenda, you seem to get a lot of. You, you clearly have your finger absolutely on the pulse of what's going on here with, um, you know, literacy with your boys and yes. also with your staff. But you seem to. Um, you seem to get an awful lot of feedback and you seem to get it from a variety of sources and it seems to be very immediate from you. I know you talked at the beginning about analyzing data. Yeah. And I suppose we all do that in schools and we all have to do it. And, yeah. you know, we, we maybe do it in August and, and September when we start and we hit doing it and, and so on. Um, but you have a range of methods there. I mean, you talked about your visual color coding of things and so on. How important is that kind of, immediate feedback and those questionnaires and those surveys that you're doing? Oh, Paul's critical. You know, mm. how can you ever measure what you're doing if you're not looking for the feedback? And I think that's where you need to have a confidence to go looking for it. You know, mm. um, I'm not somebody who sits and waits for a problem, you know, to build and build and snowball. I'm somebody that, that will go looking where are we at, right? This is where we're at. This is what I now suggest we do. And what I'm going to do is constantly monitor that provision. Because without the monitoring of the provision, then the provision's pointless. Because you you, mm -hmm. you know something that's really important to boys, particularly boys in education, is they have to understand the value of a task, and it's about mm -hmm. showing them the link between certain tasks. You're doing this because I'm hoping mm -hmm. that when you can do this, we can move on to this, and it's the links and the learning. But without that monitoring and without those those conversations, and I suppose you know in terms of any summative or formative you know assessments that we do. Everything's important, but what's important is listening to the boys because just watching and listening to what they're saying and what they're doing tells you everything that you need to know. If they're having a difficulty, then we address it. Mm -hmm. And and if they're doing fine, which a lot of our boys do, and, and it's something that we've worked heavily on over the last year is, then we need to stretch them because we are an all-ability school and our motto is achievement for all. And that means for our gifted and talented as well. So how are we stretching them to the full ability? Because even in terms of our Catholic ethos, you know, it's about their God-given potential and this ability to build to build human beings that have been stretched and can go on to achieve mm -hmm. and succeed. So how are we stretching the gifted and talented as well? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
And Brenda, we'll, we'll maybe go on to that because I know Paul Quigley talks about that in, yeah. in the second segment uh, we have with him. But before we hear from Paul, we'll just listen to this week's news. Back in a moment. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations budding aspirations our goal to make edtech accessible and teaching exceptional join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of january 2024 as we make education better together ticket off your christmas list today get your free ticket before the 13th of december deadline Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The inquest into the death of head teacher Ruth Perry has ruled that an Ofsted inspection contributed because it lacked fairness, respect and sensitivity and was, at times, rude and intimidating. These are the comments from the senior coroner Heidi Connor, as reported on the BBC News website. Mrs Connor went on to express concern about the impact the inspection system can have on school leaders. This is the first time Ofsted has been listed as a contributing factor in the death of a head teacher. The coroner also issued a prevention of future death notice, a report that aims to stop similar situations arising again. Anyone who gets such a notice has 56 days to say what they plan to do to mitigate the chances of deaths happening. Education unions, Ofsted Chief Inspector Amanda Spielman and Education Secretary Gillian Keegan have all released statements following the inquest. These can be found across media outlets. A statement by Mrs Perry's sister, Professor Julia Waters, made it clear that this situation must never be allowed to happen again, but that Ruth was a much more than a victim. She was a sister, a wife and a mother. The Programme for International Student Assessment, or PISA, has released its latest findings. Making the headlines amongst the data was a figure of 11% of teens in the UK who were skipping or missing a meal at least once a week as a result of poverty. The average was 8%, although it rose to 13% in the USA and to 19% in Turkey. The report makes the link between missing meals and less effective learning. Every four years, PISA compares 15-year-olds' reading, science and maths levels across 81 countries. The director of the project described the UK as being in a fairly good spot, with improvements in reading and maths, although there was a decline in science. Amongst the four home nations, England performed the highest across all three subjects, 
although the average mass score fell for all UK nations. The gap in results between UK nations has widened, with Wales recording its worst results so far, according to the BBC. The Welsh Education Minister said COVID-19 had derailed improvement. Northern Ireland scored higher than Scotland in maths and science, but Scotland did better in reading. The wellbeing survey is the first of its kind, with the head of research expressing surprise that so many pupils in a supposedly wealthy country are missing meals due to food poverty. Another survey, this time by the British Council, has also seen its results released. They asked just over 2,000 pupils at the end of their first year of secondary from across the UK about modern foreign languages. The results showed that only 20% planned to study a language at GCSE. The numbers of pupils taking modern foreign languages has been in decline in recent years. While 73% of those taking part in the survey said children should have the chance to learn language, and 46% said they enjoyed language learning, more than one in four said that they did not plan to take the subject at GCSE level or beyond. Nearly nine out of ten said they did not think it was very likely that language would be necessary for their future career. Finally, writer and poet Benjamin Zephaniah passed away on the 7th of December at the age of 65. He had been diagnosed with a brain tumour eight weeks ago. Zephaniah had 14 poetry collections and five novels published over the years. He openly discussed his difficulties with learning to read and write, leaving school at 13 and his diagnosis of dyslexia. His first book was published in 1980 and he described himself as an angry young man who had an outlet through writing. He said that using writing as expression had saved his life. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Ticket off your Christmas list today. Get your free ticket before the 13th of December deadline. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. Welcome back, everybody. This evening, I'm with award-winning teacher, Brenda Edwards, who's raising interest and attainment in literacy at all levels in her school in Derry. Indeed, Brenda, when we listen to the news there, you know, you can see even from some of those items just how important literacy is in people's lives. Um, and of course, Absolutely. you know, um, you know, the well-known poet, Brenda, um, Benjamin Zephaniah, and he, he died recently. He, yeah. he had been ill for a short while, but, 
he credits literacy with, um, you know, I think he was involved in a gang life and drugs mm-hmm. and things like that. And he, he credits that very much with his route out of that to a, a, a much more kind of efficient and healthier life, I suppose. Um, absolutely. It's, it's known literacy is one of the greatest, well, it, it can contribute um, in terms of you know, having the greatest impact on the social mobility and equality. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it's unsputed when you look at the data, um, you know, everything drives towards it and everything drives to this this need to level out the gap, um, mm-hmm. you know, for those disadvantaged pupils, um, mm-hmm. like our boys who are drawn from those areas because, you know, the, the fight's greater, I suppose, and the push is, is greater and, and everything is, is enhanced and, and that's why the expectations and the programs and the activities, yeah. everything needs to be stepped up because they yeah. deserve everything wrapped around them that's going to level out the playing field as much as we as much as we can. Um, and that's where the, the high expectations come from and, and the rigor come from in terms of what we expect in terms of provision. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. our pastoral care for the boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, w- we've heard a little bit about your Kung Fu grammar. Um, yes. And that's, that's fantastic. We love that. Yeah. Um, and that's one way of getting down to brass tacks. But we do need you know, you do need to get down to brass tacks. You need to learn your spelling. You need to learn your punctuation. You need to know your grammar. Mm-hmm. So before we come back to you, Brenda, let's listen to Paul Quigley again, as he tells us a little bit about spelling, punctuation, grammar, and stretching yes. and challenging readers and writers. Uh, we really try and put a massive impetus on the spelling, punctuation and grammar element of a curriculum. We encourage children, they write with precision and accuracy to try and achieve this. We try and familiarise them with the relative clauses, expanded line phrases. We really try and normalise that language. They stretch and challenge the children as well. We will encourage them then. They incorporate all of this within their distance at writing. Um, I did mention the distance of writing before. It really is just opportunities where they can write across the curriculum. They will write poetry, they'll write acrostic poems. They will then go on and create narratives with different characters as well. It truly is a pleasure to teach the boys and we have fantastic tuition as well through Mrs. Edwards. So, you know, I I just think that's fantastic. I, I can see Paul being busy tomorrow on the phone with English teachers all over Northern Ireland ringing him and asking him, you know, like, how do you get children to write with precision and accuracy? You know, how do you you challenge and stretch this end of the class and and keep Mm -hmm. the other end up and and all of that? Yeah. So And he does. And he does it successfully, you know, and and he is completely unapologetic for that. And he'll he'll talk me through and he'll show me examples of work and it's that sharing best practice that's so important um, and having that collegiality where, where people are open to sharing those ideas. And, and we do that as a department, you know, we, we share resources, we share ideas, we share things mm-hmm. that have worked. And, you know, so often I, I go into his room and just see the most wonderful impromptu examples of what goes on in his day-to-day classrooms with, with his um, ASC boys and the stretch. And, you know, and I talk about the stretch because you know, whilst, whilst the project addresses those boys who really struggle to grasp mm-hmm. literacy, it's about developing the language and communication and literacy for, for other boys as well who are really able. Um, you know, and, and we have 
we have again approached that in many different ways. You know, I was starting um, Shakespeare with a very capable group, but the thought of Middle English just wasn't wasn't driving mm-hmm. up, you know, the response that I wanted. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, Shakespeare, we're going to be studying Macbeth and it was, oh, you know, a growing. And I said, boys, it's going to be fantastic. And I invited in um, the theatre company, Bright Umbrella, and we hosted um, another local secondary school joined us and they came up to St. Joseph's for the day. And we had this live production of Macbeth in our assembly hall with professional actors. And it was just absolutely fantastic in terms of, exposing the boys to not only live theatre but mm-hmm. the themes and the plot um you know off the play and recently our boys went out to the Lyra McKee Literacy Legacy workshop too at Ulster University and they did workshops in creative writing and journalism and it's again about building the pathways in terms of the skills barometer and it's about working them you know to to dreams in terms of career pathways um and again not just that but putting them in the aspirational setting of a university and this is boys where yes. we expect for you to be, you know, and it's about building that. And what was most exciting last year was um, we were starting our poetry unit for CIAS, uh, GCSE English Literature. And one of the poems uh, is the Identity Anthology. Um, we, I, I had invited the poet, Paul Mattern, and uh, the poet of the face. And he messaged me back and he says, I would love to, no problem. And our boys, they just could not believe that this poet, who is in the same anthology as the likes of Heaney and Shakespeare, was taking yeah. the time. You know, he was driving hours to come and see the boys. And he came in and did a live walkthrough of his poem. He explored the context around it, his inspiration for writing it, um, and did question and answer with the boys. And it was just a fantastic experience. And again, it's about stretching that top end and giving them access and exposure to that level mm-hmm. of experience. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's absolutely fantastic, um, Brenda. Now, it's clear, it's clear that you have, and you've instilled this in your staff, and you are, you did say, and I believe you're very fortunate with the staff and a school that really is fitting in with this whole vision and, and really genuinely recognizes and appreciates the, the position and the role of literacy in raising all achievement. Um, but you clearly have very vibrant, agile, flexible, creative responses to problems. Um, yeah. You know, you've just you just illustrated one there with your your Macbeth. Um, and, and, and that's going to take an awful lot of energy. Is this the sort of thing all schools could do easily? Well, I think it's a case that all schools need to do it. Um, whether it's easy or not depends on who's leading it, Paul, because I'm a firm believer in anything's as hard as you make it. And if you have the right attitude, and we are a very positive school, and mm-hmm. that positivity permeates through the, to the boys and it's really important that they come into a safe happy environment and when staff are happy and confident then it's able you know you're able to filter that through your department and of course whole school um and i feel that with the right planning and of course with the right professional development and i myself you know i'm continuously striving um to professionally develop myself it, it's never ending mm-hmm. as it you know um even, you know, last year I did the science of reading and, you know, two through St. Mary's University. So it's about constantly stretching your own professional development. And when you have that confidence and that skill level, it does become easy then 
to pass that skill out and to build confidence. You know, we had a we had a relatively new teacher in our department um, last year too, Miss Gribbon, and and I worked very closely with her in terms of her professional development and even just seeing her just flourish as the year mm -hmm. progressed and her skill development and most importantly her confidence in herself because when she's mm -hmm. confident the boys are confident you know and they're learning so it's about it's about building that capacity within staff so that they can deliver the skill and the content that, that you want um you know delivered within a department or school level mm -hmm. and and that's probably a whole program in itself you know d developing yes. your, that capacity in the staff and, and the wider school that yeah is, yeah yeah so I suppose Brenda that brings me to a question it's now traditional to ask uh, this question you know as we get towards the end of the program Brenda if you had a magic wand and there's only one spell you could cast what changes would you make to education that would that would make a huge difference the spell that I would cast on education mm. make it fair make it fair for all children Make it fair for our boys, you know, make it fair for all children who should never, ever be at a disadvantage because of where they're born. Never. So it's about removing that inequality that exists so obviously within society. And if I had a wish, it would undoubtedly be that. Level it out and let's let's present all children with the same opportunity to allow, as our school says, achievement for all. That's a, a super wish, uh, Brenda. And I think, um, you know, and our listeners will have caught on by now, you know, like all Derry girls, <laughs> uh, like Derry girls, they, they have a way of kind of getting things to work for them. They might, they might have to face a lot of problems through an episode, but the episodes all end well, I think, anyhow. And I think that's, um, that's pretty much reflective of what you're doing in St. Joseph's in Derry there. You're meeting a lot of problems, but my goodness, you're making a huge amount of headway and uh, resolving an awful lot of problems very creatively. And I think you're making a huge difference and very much leveling the playing field for, uh, for those lucky boys and lucky teachers and so on that work with you. Thank you, Paul. We're the lucky ones, without a doubt. We're, we're lucky to get to work with these boys and I, I feel it every day and I thank it every day. Yeah, it's very rewarding working with boys that like is. that, isn't it? And I think I said at the beginning, I think it, it is a worth, uh, and we'll put it in the show notes, it's really worthwhile looking at your website because that that warmth and that vibrancy and that ethos and climate that um, you clearly have created, that that actually comes across uh, in the website. It, it does. We have fantastic PR from Mrs. Shields um, through the school and our, our Twitter and Facebook. It is relentlessly feeding through the fantastic practice that's seen day in, day out at St. Joseph's. Brenda, unfortunately, we're out of time, but it's been a super show. You've been a fabulous guest. The boys that you recorded were fantastic. Please give them Thank our you. best regards. Tell them how magical they were and how much they've contributed to the wealth of the program. Thanks as well to Mr. Quigley and all the teachers whom you mentioned. It's been absolutely great having you. I hope you all have a well-earned, well-rested Christmas break and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.